Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're just going to talk a little about drain tile management in the fall. But as always, we'd be happy to answer any of your questions or talk about anything that's happening on your farm. Our phone number here is 844-44-AG-PHD if you'd like to call into the show. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So my brother Darren is out traveling, doing a few meetings with farmers here over the next couple of days. He's going to be down in the state of Nebraska. So I'll be here mostly by myself. Darren might call in later in the show, but with this drain tile topic, this is one... I'll be honest, I kind of like to talk about it myself just because I'm so passionate about this thing when it literally has transformed our farm. We started doing our own tiling back in 2007, got our first tile plow back then, and yeah, we'd had a little bit of tile work done on our farm prior to that, but it's just made such a world of difference. One of the big things... So, I mean, we can talk about all the benefits of drain tile. Typically higher yield, 15 to 25% yield increase more in some areas, uh, but 15 to 25 is, is, is pretty common. It's not always going to be that much, but it, that is a pretty common number. You got less chance for soil compaction when you have tiled ground, earlier spring warm-up, you have a longer and more predictable growing season, you can very slowly reduce your high magnesium levels, your high sodium levels, stuff like that. You speed all your field operations, you reduce your stuck situations, you plant earlier, you have fewer seed and seedling diseases, you can spray more timely, you reduce surface water, you can lower a high soil pH, and you can reduce salt levels. Those are just some of the benefits that I wrote down quick on drain tile when I start thinking about that. But here's one of the big things that I'll throw out at you. We used to have a lot of drainage issues on our farm. And when you look at our ground, if you ever come to our Ag PhD field, you're probably going to look at some of our ground and go, what do you guys even need tile for? You have some rolling hills. So roughly, let's call it 25, 30% of the ground we farm is pretty flat and the rest is rolling hills. Well, in these rolling hills, you'd think you don't need tile. But our problem was always, well, in the low grounds, that's where we'd get stuck. We'd have to replant stuff. We might have delayed planting we'd have more disease issues. We just had lots and lots of problems. And the first year, well, in 2007, that spring, I think we had, let's call it 33 fields we were farming, and we were only able to farm three of them straight through. (laughs) So it's like 10% or less of our ground we could farm straight through when we wanted to first thing in the spring. And so we're constantly going around stuff, replanting, all this, oh my goodness, it was just a lot of work. And then the worst is the whole getting stuck thing. And it's not just any damage to the equipment and and things like that. It's also the danger with that. I mean, because I got got pulled out before and I've pulled people out before and I would just live in fear all the time that the either rope or chain or whatever would break or we'd bust something off with the equipment or somebody do something dumb and get hurt. And the big thing that I have stressed to a lot of people, why I have loved tiling on our farm other than it's made us a whole bunch of money on the farm and our crops a lot better and our soils a lot healthier the big thing is it's made farming fun again because now we can farm straight through everything we farm it early and we're done and we're not constantly getting stuck i mean every fall oh my 
goodness, it was ridiculous just how many times people were getting stuck. And we don't have that anymore. It's amazing. Even in the two wettest years we've ever had in history here, 2018 and 2019, we weren't getting stuck in places. We weren't having issues with delayed planting uh, to the degree. I mean, granted, you can't plant in the rain. So if it's raining every day for three weeks, of course you can't plant then. But other than that, it's, I mean, we were able to go fairly timely, still had good crops, no prevent plant, anything like that. It's just been awesome. One of the things I mentioned too is healthy soil. So very commonly on the show here, we're talking when we have guests on and they'll talk about, oh, we're, we're after soil health and we want to do no-till and, you know, we don't like tillage anymore and things like that. Well, if you want to go no-till or reduce till in general, tile really helps because let's face it, in a lot of areas, the reason why some tillage is getting done is to dry the soil out. Well, if you have the water table down, that's what drain tile does is keeps the water table down. It doesn't remove all the water from the field. You're still at field capacity even when that drain tile is stopped running, or you can be. So you're only taking out the excess water. That's it. You're only taking out the water where air should be because they'll tell you if you ever take an agronomy class, roughly 50% of your soil should be dirt. And I mean, between dirt and organic matter, 25% should be water, 25% should be air. Well, if you have a high water table, that means you have 50% water and 0% air, and then you kill off all your beneficial microbes, you kill off plant roots. It's just, it's horrible for soil health moving forward. And then the big thing too is, I mean, when you think about raising that crop in general, I mean, you probably aren't going to be able to get out there to plant. When you do, you're going to have more compaction. The roots aren't going to go deep. They're going to start to die off because they won't grow into a water table. They'll die at that point. And then later in the summer when things dry out, well, you want deep roots. Well, you didn't give your crop a chance. You got to have that water table down early in the spring. So even like in our area where, I mean, we're going on over two years of drought here, we still do really well where the tie lines are at because Every spring, we have some water issues, not in every area of every field or anything like that, but we don't have pattern tile in every area of every field either. But all we're trying to do is keep that water table down so our roots can get down deep early. And then when that happens, well, then we're in good shape later on because we have deep roots, even though it might be dry. With drain tile, we talk all the time about how it's fantastic for the environment and I know a lot of people don't understand this, but when you stop and think for just a minute, you say, well, wait a second, if I can have a healthier soil, that's great. And, you know, the other big thing here is there's less water going downstream long term when you have tile in the ground because we raise more crop and higher yields, pull more water out of the ground. So long term, there's actually less water going downstream. So we'll, we'll talk about more of that and just drain tile in general right after this. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Introducing our most advanced technology from Hypro, the 9915 series diaphragm pumps. Upgraded with corrosion-resistant materials and a multi-piston design to work longer and harder in any condition. Hypro, right on technology, right on target. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today we're just talking about drain tile management in the fall. If you've got any questions for us, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to jump to the phone lines quick. Got Charlie Schaefer calling in. He's with AgriDrain. Charlie, how are you today? Good, Brian. How are you doing? Excellent. All right, so just talking about drain tile management as we go into the fall here, what are maybe the top two or three things that you will usually bring up to farmers and, and contractors putting this tile in the ground? Well, when you look at this site, uh, consider the options you might have available to you aside from just normal uh, either random or systematic drainage systems and, and take a look at the, the site the topography and the soils and see if it'll line up well for a manageable system. Uh, so you'd have uh, a better opportunity to, to conserve your nutrients and water uh, for inc- improved water quality and increased yield. So a drainage water management system, that's what you're saying? That's correct. If you can uh, design and install that system so you can install water level control structures, either manual, conventional structures, or underground automated float-operated water gate valves, or for fully automated systems uh, uh, with two-way telemetry, uh, you're in a much better position to increase yield and improve water quality. All right. So as far as the management of that, how do you work that? Because my fear is if somebody just closes them up and forgets about it, well, the water table might get too high, and all of a sudden then you have your water table practically to the soil surface, and you're killing off beneficial microbes, possibly plant roots if it's in the growing season. So how do you manage that, or how do you encourage a farmer to manage that once they have those control control structures in so they don't have mistakes like that? Really, really good question and a a valuable, valid point. Uh, You think about what you're trying to achieve here, and if you apply for uh, uh, technical assistance and financial assistance through NRCS, they will ask you to close those systems down or at least raise the water level up to within a foot of the surface during what they refer to as a treatment. Well, 
I think we just lost Charlie there. Uh, so we'll try to get him back on. But these drainage water management systems or basically water control structures, you can't do that in all fields and in all situations. you got to have something that's at least relatively level. Otherwise, you're putting in a lot of control structures. But in relatively flat ground, it does make a tremendous amount of sense, especially in areas where normally, let's say you'd get a lot of rainfall, and so you put the tile line in pretty deep. Let's say your tile line's in four feet, five feet, six feet deep. Well, that's much deeper than you're going to need for even most of the growing season. If you ever want to drain things way down, you certainly can. But at least you've got that option, then you can have things go way down. You can can uh, raise the water table up. So, uh, Charlie, sorry about that. We lost you there. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, go go ahead. You were saying. Modern technology. Uh, we were talking about the, the management recommendations. And I don't know where I got cut off, but NRCS would ask you to, to reduce total outflow and water volume and nutrients leaving the system during uh, the fallow season. So they'd want you to raise the water table up to within about 12 inches of the field elevation or soil surface yep. uh, after harvest until spring. Uh, but then the producer has the option to utilize that system for the benefit of yield enhancement during the growing season. And that's when you take a look at, at your planting date, your type of crop, the soils and the system you have involved there. And we can make management recommendations for you as far as that's concerned. We don't want to manage so closely to the risk zone to where we might, might sacrifice yield, but we want to conserve as much water and nutrients as, as, as possible. Yeah, and you mentioned raising that water level up after harvest. Well, in some areas, they worry about spring floods, so they want to have things go all the way down until they get past, let's let's call it freeze-up, and then that's where they want to hold stuff back in the spring. So, I mean, there are a lot of different uses for that. It is uh, it is an interesting system. So talk to us about the, the, the type that you mentioned where you would be able to control that a little bit differently, not just manual, but have some type of either automated or remote control for this? We offer a couple different types of automation. Uh, one is just locally programmable. So it's very simple. It's straightforward. It's, it's solar powered uh, with a charge controller and on-site battery. And then we've got a, a local programmable timer and switch. It's a little PLC. You can actually just tell it when you'd like the valve to open and when you'd like it to close. And we've got programs that either uh, hour of the day, day of the week, day of the year. Yeah. And so you can just set that up to, to conform to whatever management you want. But we also have full-blown multi-level to where you've got two-way telemetry uh, via cellular connection, and then you can run it from your smartphone or, or your tablet or your computer, and you can actually uh, establish set points, and you can determine uh, drainage delays above or below that set point, below for sub-irrigation, above for drainage, and, and you really build in lots of uh, functionality. Very, very interesting systems. Again, we've been talking with Charlie Schaefer. He is with AgriJane. Charlie, where can a person go to learn more about the things that you talked about today? You can call us at 1-800-232-4742. That's AgriJane. It's actually 1-800-ADAIR-IOWA, A-D-A-I-R. We also have a sister company, Ecosystem Services Exchange, that can help you with design, and we are uh, technical service providers to USDA, and so uh, they'll be happy to offset the cost of those designs if you choose. And so call us at AgriDrain and just ask for some help with water management. Fantastic. Charlie, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Brian. Take care. You bet. See ya.
All right, we got uh, Robert calling in next from out in Illinois. He's with Hemingway Farm Drainage. Hey, Robert, how are you today? Doing good, Brian. Uh, it's only been about a week since I actually got to meet you in person again. But, uh, <laughs> we, were, we were at Georgetown to hear you speak. It's a very informative meeting. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. So tell us just a little bit about the interest in drain tile over in that eastern Illinois area. Because, I mean, as a farmer from South Dakota, I just kind of assumed that, well, everybody in Iowa and Illinois has already got tile in all their fields. Uh, is there still a lot of tile work to be done? Absolutely. Um, when my when my dad first um, bought our, our tile plow back in the early 80s, his intent was to, to pattern tile every acre that he owned at that point. And um, mm-hmm. we weren't necessarily interested in getting into, into custom work. But um, when somebody comes, you know, wagging a checkbook at you, it's pretty hard to turn away from it. But our, <laughs> our county is very flat. And um, there had never been a much emphasis on pattern tiling. And um, so it's really caught on in the last 10 to 15 years and there's been a lot of work a lot of a lot of tile installed and um and i think now that there's a lot of acres that are subject to being uh come back and basically split lines that run yeah. uh 7500 foot down to 40 or 50 how about lift stations you talk about how flat your county is do you have to put in a lot of lift stations we're we're fortunate in that regard um almost all situations we've been able to to have existing uh district mains or proximity to to a drainage ditch or whatever so it's not been much of an issue i can i can name a half a dozen places within 20 miles of where they need lift stations but i think people get hung up on the cost and (laughs) and I'm, i'm not aware of one and within 30 or 40 minutes of where i live all right. Tell us a story quick about any of your customers or even on your own farm and just what a difference tile has made for the crop. Uh, it's, it's, it's humongous. I mean, as far as being able to get to get the crop in in a timely way and, and get it out, um, we farm some uh, some hilly areas, uh, much similar to around where, where you live. Sure. We did make it out to the field the first time this year. Oh, awesome. And, uh, and so... Uh, some of our our neighbors questioned my father as far as tiling the hilly ground because you don't have ponds out there on the why right. would you put tile in there? Right. He said, "Well, where, where do you get stuck? You know, in the spring or uh, in a late harvest or whatever. It's on the hills." So, but uh, I, something that that I think we're not a big operation, but we try to look at take care of small details. But on design layout, I think a lot of the the bigger contractors. I'm, I'm not bashing them or whatever but lots of times the, they've got like a, a two-year waiting list and so it's important to get in and get out as quick as they can sometimes one of the things that we do that i don't see a lot of contractors doing basically we would try to frame the field and, and the tile layout and not have uh just tile coming up uh towards the end but basically have a a line parallel with the property line all the way around the field. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Again, Robert with Hemingway Drainage. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate the time. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. 
And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in Inferro Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of Inferro innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or inferro.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio, just talking drainage a little bit today. And right before the break, we were visiting with Robert from Illinois. He's with Hemingway Farm Drainage. Uh, Robert, sorry about that. Had to go to a quick commercial break there. Um, you were just talking about the benefits of tile, and did you have any last words that you wanted to leave us yeah. with? Yeah, I think there's kind of a phase two in drainage, and we've observed it in our fields and sometimes customers' fields, in which if you go to examine the yield maps, there will be unexplained areas of, you know, lower yields, lots of times in kind of irregular shape or kind of yep. round maybe. And um, what we found in a lot of those situations is basically what I call a, a micro pond. Maybe there's maybe just two or three, four inches of water being held back by maybe an old plow headland or something like that. And just a little bit of surface work. And I know your normal approach would be just put in extra lines, but um, 
to help on that. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But uh, just sometimes those things can be resolved just uh, with a minimal amount of dirt work to, uh, to allow the surface water to get away. What ends up happening is you got a whole field that's ready to go, and maybe you've got an acre or two-acre area that's just not quite ready, and then that ends up being compacted over the long run. So we've, right. we've seen some things get worse in time. So that was, that was all I wanted to add. Now, now, are you saying this is a pothole, or what, what? I mean, is there a natural depression in the field, or are you just saying this is caused from compaction and there isn't a pothole, or, or tell us a little more about this? Um. Some of these are man-made, just in past mismanagement with moldboard plow. Mm-hmm. Um, decades, <laughs> lifetimes ago, sometimes. Uh, see, basically, we're not talking about erosive fields, and we're not talking about a, a hole that's like two feet deep. It's just um, if there may be a depression out there that you weren't ever aware of, yeah. yep. but now with technology with the yield maps, there's an unexplained ten bushel drop or something, and what when I've examined some of those places, it's just it's it's just a very shallow pond, and uh, yeah, gotcha. and just putting extra lines, just putting on heavy soils, just putting in extra lines doesn't always fix it. I guess what I'm getting at. Yeah, um, I, I guess the concern that I have sometimes, and and granted, I mean for some little deal, it's 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 no big thing, but my concern is always in areas where they say, well, I'm not going to do any tiling. I'm just going to do all this dirt work in yeah. my field. Well, now what you're doing is you're making the water get off the field faster. Yes. But along with that, you end up with more erosion issues. So that's why I'm always right. telling guys, yeah, if you want to do some dirt work, that's fine, but let's not leave it all to dirt work. Cause we don't want to have all that erosion out there. I mean, that's what guys have fought for years and years and years. Well, even my dad used to talk about how there, he was never able to see a neighbor's place, but then if Eventually, after living here for 20 years or something, he could see the neighbor's place. Well, I mean, the reason why is his hilltop was gone from erosion. I mean, that's not a real good thing. So we got to be a little so, bit careful with what we're doing. We're, 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 you know, essentially what I'm kind of looking at is fields that from the high end to the low end, two feet of fall and a half mile. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so erosion is really not much of a factor. But, no. But we are seeing loss of yield and gradually expanding areas. Uh, in some of these places, uh, because of basically just getting on the the rest of the fields ready to go, and we kind of maybe waller through this one small area. But anyway, that was I just wanted to add that that sometimes um, a, if it's, if there's not an erosion concern, I think it, looking at the topography will explain some of those lower yielding areas. Yeah. Excellent point. Again, we've been talking with Robert from Hemingway Farm Drainage. He's over in eastern Illinois. Robert, thanks for the time today. This is great stuff. Thank you, Brian. You bet. All right, we're going to go next to Minnesota. Got Kevin Lippert calling in. He's with uh, Lippert Tile Plow. Kevin, how are you today? Good. Excellent. So, you doing any tiling right now? Yeah, we're been doing twenty thousand a week. Semi load a week. So is this after wheat harvest, or what kind of fields are you going in right now? Uh, last three fields were all peas, and there's got the next one is uh, sweet corn. Oh, gotcha. Peas ground that the guys had, like late peas. Yep. So they're coming off. So. so is there anything different about the work you've been doing now this summer compared to the last few years? Uh, wetter, drier, you having any new issues, any new things coming up? 
not really. It was a terrible wet spring up here. We didn't, uh, I don't think the plow ran until the first of May or middle of May. So, but it hasn't quit since since we were so far behind. Um, but then it dried up and, uh, we didn't see any water for a little while, but now this last couple of weeks now, that's how we stuck in water runs, water's been running. So, okay. So the request, you know, good. Yeah, I was Go just ahead. I was just gonna say the requests you're getting now from farmers is the are a lot of these new brand new projects, is a lot of it add-ons, is it replacement things? I mean, what's the kind of work you're doing for the most part? Most of it is new stuff that we're putting in. You know, they've had the mains in and this and that, or they you know, a lot of land has changed hands and they're just they bought it, and they're just adding another thousand bucks an acre and patter tiling, and be done with it. Yeah, you know, that's they're just they're just putting that number in there. Uh, you know, the cost of tiles going up considerably, and it's just a new normal. But they it's, they they know it pays. So. so, other than the cost, because everybody's always going to be concerned about cost no matter what it seems like. But other than that, are, are there any big concerns that anybody's got or some of the people that are going, eh, I'm not sure if I want to put the tile in? It, what else is getting brought up other than cost? Uh, cost is a major factor, I guess, and then how much and how far apart they go. Yeah. You know, that's where they're trying to cut it down a little bit. And, I, you know, or a few of these add-on projects or a few guys that... Uh, they like putting some tile in, but they're not too in tuned about the actual pattern tile theory. Yep. Um, those guys tend to wreck it <laughs> because then when you go in there, you change it or you want a pattern tile, it's it's kind of goofed up, but it takes you a lot longer <laughs> to tile it the way it should be. Yep. That kind of thing, you know, but... Well, that's what they're paying for, I guess. So, so do a lot of the, those people, they come to you with their plan, or do they say, all right, here I'm only willing to spend so much. Can you come up with your plan, or how does that work? Yeah, that's what I – you work with the customer, how much they think they're going to do, you know, what a cost is. Um, normally, I make them spend more money because you end up showing them what the advantage is of doing a section and being done with it. Yeah. Getting that in on their plan, doing a big enough plan with it. I do all the layout work and pre-work that they can show, um, you know, the FSA, you know, what their plan is. Sure. You know, if they need to have strange requirements or something like that. And I'm working with a customer right now. They acquired 200 acres. They're going to pat a tile out. And, uh, you know, we've got to go back and forth between where to stick extra 8-inch mains because it's only the mains are in there that are 6-inch. Yep. So how much 8-inch do we need to add on because we're going to add all this pattern tile to it, you know, that cost versus some other things. So there's a little there's a little back and forth there, what they're going to do with it. You know, a project, they, they, they know they have to have it done because it, it doesn't work. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they farm quite a bit, and they just need to go in and they can't have problems. We've only got about 30 so seconds. back and forth with yep. them. I was just, like yeah, I was just going to say, we only got about 30 seconds left, Kevin. You're in relatively heavy ground. What do you like for pattern tile spacing? How far do you want those lines apart? I don't like breaking 50 inch on 4 inch, and I don't like breaking 60 feet, or yeah, 50 feet on 4 inch, and I don't like breaking 60 feet on 5. Yep. And no, wider, no wider than 60 feet. 
Yeah. And do you have many guys that want to go down to 30 feet, 40 feet? We just, we just did a project. We stuck 20,000 feet in, and they're down to 30 feet. We was at yeah. 70, 65, 70 feet, and it was pattern tiled. And he says, that's not doing it. Just <laughs> Split the it. existing lines. And yeah. We went back in there, and they've got tile every 30 feet. That'll be so, good. Yep, that'll be good. Good drainage for him in the future. Well, we've been talking with Kevin Lippert. He's yeah. with Lippert Tile Plow out of Wilmer, Minnesota. Kevin, thanks a lot for being on the show. Great stuff as always. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Bye. All right, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Uh, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. When it comes to your tillage equipment, stop compromising and start doing more in one pass. New from McFarlane Ag, the Insight 5200 with an independent blade configuration lets you get more done in less time. Ideal for rocky or sticky soil, the 5200 has two sets of independently mounted blades adjustable up to 12 degrees, a unique chopping reel, and five different finishing attachments, giving you the perfect seedbed. Learn more about the Insight 5200 by visiting McFarlaneAg.com today. AgPHD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPHD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPHD Insider at agphdinsider.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. 
live in the Morton studio, just talking drain tile on our show today. Before we leave this topic and before we get to the Ag PhD mailbag, I just want to make sure I spend a little bit of time on this whole environmental side because it seems like most of the pushback on drain tile comes from people saying things like, oh, you're going to flood me out or you are hurting the downstream water quality. So I want to talk about both of those things. Let me start with this, though. Tiling is proven to reduce erosion. If you look at the university studies, it's roughly 40 to 60% erosion reduction. And that's one of the biggest things I noticed right away when we first started doing our own tiling on our farm is, hey, we don't, number one, have to do as much tillage. So that really helps. But two, when you've got the water table down, now water doesn't have to run off. Now the water can actually soak in. And because of that, we have a lot less erosion. So to me, in our rolling hills, that was a really big deal. We just have so much less erosion. And I think that's part of the reason why we're, we've got healthier soil now and our yields are going up. When we talk about this flooding thing, though, here again, you can look at the research that's out there. Tile reduces flooding usually by about 15 to 30%. So let, let me go back to what I just said a minute ago. With drain tile, what it does is it lowers the water table. It does not take all the water out of the ground. It simply lowers the water table. Well, now you have a reservoir in your field. You've created a reservoir so you can have water soak in instead of needing to run off. And that's why flash flooding is absolutely reduced pretty significantly in a lot of cases when there is tile in the ground because now there's somewhere for that water to go. When you have tile in the ground, that water slowly goes out of the field. A lot of our ground we have set up on a quarter-inch drainage coefficient. The, the biggest we have on our whole farm is a half-inch drainage coefficient. That's the most. And what I mean by that drainage coefficient is how much water will I get rid of per day. So if I say a quarter, that means I'm going to get rid of a quarter-inch. So if I, let's just say, for example, get a three-inch rain, that would take 12 days to get that water out of the field. And that's if it stays running at capacity, which it never does. It, it runs at capacity for a little while, and then things start to slow down. So to think that a three-inch rain is going to leave the field in 12 days, it's going to take longer than that. But anyway, the point is, would let's say you get this three-inch rain in two hours, would you rather have all that run off if, let's say, your water table was really high and now the rain can't soak in? The water has to run off if it can't soak in. So I'd much rather have that water slowly go out of the field that just makes it so much easier on our water systems in general. And so drainage is great that way. But here's the thing that I want you to think about. Because when whenever you run up against this argument, or let's say you've had this argument before that, oh, you, somebody upstream's tiling and they're going to flood me out. That is not true. Now, day one, sure, there will be some water coming out of that tile line, I assume. But after that, here's what's going to happen. The only way that the farmer upstream of you can pay for the tile he just put in is with yield gain, right? I think we can all agree on that. And if you have more yield, are you going to use less water or are you going to use more water? Well, of course you're going to use more water. So when you just stop and think about this just for a second logically, you go, oh, yeah, I guess that does make sense. There should be less water going downstream. And I first noticed this on our own farm where I had some spots where we had a little drainage issue, put some tile in, and then the tile lines just quit running eventually. And I'm like, is there something wrong with the tile lines? 
But I knew there wasn't because our yields were phenomenal. And I'm like, wow, we got yield there. So there must not be a problem. Then I just started thinking about it like, oh, I guess this does make sense. So when I'm raising lower yields, yeah, some water needs to leave our field. But when I'm raising higher yields, that uh, that water, a lot of that water gets used. So just kind of keep that in mind. When you think about water that is leaving the field, I mean, ideally, initially, you might think, well, I want to hold all water back. I'm in a dry area. No, you don't. What I, I And this is going to sound a little misleading, but just stay with me for a second. The only water you're really removing is the toxic water, the deadly water, the water that's going to kill your plants potentially if you're like me and you have shallow tile lines. So here's what I mean by all that. A lot of our tile lines are two and a half to three feet deep. So let's say that these tile lines are 50 feet apart. In between the tile lines, the water table is going to be a little higher. So if I've got a water table at two and a half or three feet at the tile lines, well, in between, that water table might be at two feet. Well, at two feet, I already have roots that are growing down to that two-foot depth within a month of planting, and a lot of times even sooner than that. And I definitely have beneficial microbes that are growing there. So if the water table goes up, what I mean by this toxic water and harmful water, there's nothing wrong with the water. It's just water. But when it's up in my root zone and up in my microbes zone, up in the zone where I want to have good soil health, that's detrimental to my soil. I do not want that water there. That's the water that's leaving your field. So anyway, uh, in terms of the downstream water quality, we've talked already about less erosion. And one thing that will get brought up, people will say, well, in terms of downstream water quality, there's going to be more nitrate. Here again, I'd really highly encourage you do some research on this. And by the way, let me give you the, the name of an, an article that's got 86 different studies, mostly university studies, done over the last several decades. It's called Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. You can just look this up online. Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. It was done by a couple people at the University of Guelph in Canada. Heather Frazier and Ron Fleming. But anyway, environmental benefits of tile drainage. Just download that, look at that, read that. It's a summary of all these different studies, almost all our university studies over the years, showing that, um, yeah, if you do tile right, it's really good. And you might wonder, well, what do I mean by tile right? Okay, I am not a fan of having risers, having basically the tile go right to the soil surface and I've got an inlet right there. Now it's it's fine if you're going to, like in, in our case, we'll have some of this, well, we just outlet into a pond, um, a, a retention pond, or we outlet onto a um, onto a grass waterway, so then the, the water gets filtered again. But what, what I'm getting at is I don't like it where we've got these risers and then the tile dumps right into the river. Because now all the things that people say about tile are actually true, where you have more pollution, basically, possibly ag chem, fertilizer, but definitely soil getting into that water and then eventually ending up in the stream. We don't want that. So I just don't like that. What I'd rather have, if you got, let's say, a pothole or something like that, just put a whole bunch of tile lines shallow. That's what we do. That works out great. 
But anyway, when it comes to this nitrate conversation, if you read environmental benefits of tile drainage and look at the university studies that have been done, what you're going to find is there's less total nitrogen going downstream when tiles in the ground. Less total nitrogen going downstream. Now, granted, the nitrate portion could be a little higher, but the other nitrogen is lower. And here's, here's the big thing. If you want to prevent nitrate from going downstream, then number one, you want to raise good crop. Number two, you want something growing on that ground just about year-round or as, as at least as much of your growing season as possible. So like on our farm, for example, I'm gonna, we're going to cut silage here in the next week or two. Well, we've got two months of growing season left, so we're putting oats out there to suck up any nitrogen that would be out there so it doesn't, so the nitrate does not end up in our tile lines. But then the other thing you can do is monitor those tile lines for nitrate. We've done a lot of that in the past. Keep in mind that the drinking water standard for nitrate nitrogen is 10 parts per million in the United States. So as long as my water is less than 10 parts per million on nitrate, that would mean it's still drinking water quality. I mean, granted, I'm assuming all the other things are fine. But I'm just trying to say, most of the time we do not find a lot of water quality issues with tile water. The only thing usually is nitrate and that doesn't happen super often if we're well managing that field. So spoon feeding the nitrogen for application, making sure something is growing out there all the time, you do those two steps and generally speaking you won't have a lot of nitrate going downstream. And the last thing that I'll leave you with is tiling helps farmers maximize production on current farmland meaning non-cropland can be kept for other uses like hunting and recreation because let's face it our world needs more food. We've got to figure out a way as farmers to raise more food or guess what? More land is going to come or is going to go into production rather than staying for things like hunting and recreation. We're going to answer your questions in the Egg PhD mailbag next. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tough for weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat-tail fescue, and downy brome, plus weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. 
with efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Our first question today comes from Austin. He farms in Southwest Michigan. He says, hi guys, I'm a big fan of your show. I listen daily on my commute home from my day job. Recently saw an article about a residual burndown herbicide that Bayer is working on, sorry, uh, and getting EPA approved for use in corn or soybeans in the U.S. to mainly target resistant palmer and water hemp. The active ingredient is diflufenicin, and the trade name is Conventril. I was just curious if you guys have heard about this at all and what you know. Well, I, I would say, Austin, this uh, diflufenicin, that actually got developed in the 1980s. It's been used in Europe since the 1990s, mainly on small grains. There, it's it's a group 12, so it works kind of like the HPPDs. It'll turn stuff white, the group 27s, but it's, it is a different chemical family. So no, I don't know a lot about it or anything. I'm anxious to see, I assume we'll, we'll get the chance to do some testing with that next year. It sounds like it would not come out until 2024 at the earliest here in the United States. All right, uh, next one, I don't have a name on this. We were talking about bird's foot trefoil as a weed of the week. And so I, I, I got a charge out of this comment. They said, uh, your fossil fuel-based chemically reliant monocrops are the weeds, bud. Um, look, there are all kinds of people, naysayers to modern agriculture today, but let's not forget that we've got the safest, healthiest, cheapest, most abundant food supply in the world here in the United States, and Canada's right there too. Farmers are doing a tremendous job, and if we had to go back to everybody's got a can't use tractors and we have to go hand do all these things the world would starve so anyway i think we're doing a phenomenal job now in terms of chemically reliant monocrops there are a lot of organic farmers number one that would disagree with you on that and i i I would say in terms of a lot of these things that get called chemicals well they're way safer than many of the things you've got in your house right now today and many of the things you probably put on your body today. All right, next one here is from Annette, or Nanette, sorry. She said, I've got 
a nephew who has autism but looks up and respects uh, both of you guys. He has a little plot of land in which he had dedicated it for growing corn and his John Deere equipment. After a few years of trying, he's finally got great sweet corn. He's so proud of him proud of himself and we are too he's been to a few of your farm days and he's always talking about what the hefty brothers say everything is hefty brothers this and hefty brothers that well i'd love to surprise him with maybe meeting you guys uh please consider this very heartwarming request uh thanks nanette um yeah we're more than happy to meet him anytime so just let us know whenever you'd want to come over here or uh, attend any of our workshops or meetings anything like that so uh love to meet him Sounds like a great individual, and uh, yeah, it's it's not easy farming out there, especially when you're trying to raise sweet corn. Sometimes that gets a little bit challenging, so glad to hear he's doing well. All right, this next one is from Kyle. He says, I'm very curious on the pros and cons of having a pivot circle farm. Tillage versus no-till, nutrient spread, seeding, etc. What effects do hills have on a pivot farm? Uh, any insight would be greatly appreciated. Well, Kyle, yeah, it really depends on your setup because as soon as you start talking about hills, I, I mean, in some cases this is going to work great, but I, I mean, I don't know how it will work exactly with your terrain, but I, I will say pivots are able to do a lot of great things and they can manage that, they can go over that terrain quite well. But when you talk about the circle, keep in mind there are there are attachments that can go on this pivot and you could get the corners. So there are corner systems. Otherwise, people just manage those corners differently. So let's say that it's really light ground and then non-irrigated in the quarter, corners, people might raise a different crop there. They might raise no crop and just turn it to grass. I mean, there are a lot of different options there. But in terms of if you are now able to irrigate the vast majority of that field, I just say the nice thing today is we've got a lot of automatic shutoffs on sprayers, on fertilizer spreaders, everything. So you don't have to do everything in a circle. You can go back and forth across your field and have, whether it's your planter, your sprayer, your fertilizer spreader, those kind of things shut on and off or turn on and shut off. And as far as like nutrients and all that kind of thing, I'd just say it all depends on what your soil tests are saying. And then you have to address that a little bit differently. When you've got the the pivot, though, you are able to put nutrients on that way. So if you want to put a little nitrogen on, sulfur borne, these leachable nutrients, you could do that, right? With the pivot, it's a great way to go. Now, the immobile nutrients in the soil, things like P and K, that I would still put on separately and I'd get that down in the ground so you don't have to worry about erosion and things like that. All right, next one is from John. He says, I've got a question. How do I control foxtail in wild hay meadows? Well, John, usually killing a grass in a grass is hard. There are products, though, like Pastora or Plateau. You can just check on the labels to see if whatever grass hay you have those products would be approved. So you could do that. Otherwise, the big thing you got to think about here is your hay meadow is a perennial. Foxtail is an annual. So if you can keep that foxtail from going to seed, well, eventually you're going the, the hay meadow is going to choke out the foxtail. I'd also say, like today we were talking about drainage. We also talk a lot on the show here about 
fertility and just different management things that you can do to make sure that your hay meadow is very strong. So it, 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 if that grass is growing really well, then it will choke out a lot of other things. So you want to do your best to have weeds, insects, diseases under control, good fertility, good drainage, all that kind of stuff. And then hopefully that grass is so strong, it's growing so well, it will choke out the foxtail and you don't even have to use herbicides in the future. All right, Robert asks, is there a podcast to listen to some of your past episodes? Yes, absolutely. You can just go to anywhere where you can download podcasts. Um, So I'll leave it at that. Uh, Next one here, we were talking on Ag PhD, this is a while back, about phosphorus. And can you afford phosphorus when the prices are really high? Well, this, uh, this viewer asked, what if you apply these concepts to humans? You know, we talk about that all the time. I think it was just yesterday I made some comment about, I think about plants and human health almost one it's almost one and the same if i've got a stress on the human body it's just like if i have a stress on my plant either way we're not going to do well so we want to remove the stresses and like with phosphorus it's one of the most important nutrients it's a primary nutrient for all crops so we have to do a good job of having the right amount out there but the flip side of that is in some cases, we can get too much, especially if we don't have the right ratios with things like zinc and copper and nitrogen. So you really want to take a look at all things rather than just one nutrient at a time. And it's the same thing with the human body. I agree with you 100%. All right. Next one is from Kevin. We were doing something on Ag PhD talking about what is a fallow year. That was one of our farm basic segment segments and he just pointed out well is israelite farmers were instructed to leave the land alone every sabbath year that would be every seventh year yes kevin i have traveled to israel a couple of times and i have seen people even to this day leaving their ground lay idle once every seventh year so uh that certainly can get done now you have to think about back then, they didn't have fertilizer products. And I mean, a lot of the things that we have today that allow us to continue raising crops. So by breaking the cycle, maybe for insects or diseases, possibly even weeds, then the the, the ground maybe had a chance to uh, have organic matter mineralize and have some more nutrients out there for the next crop. And I mean, there are just, there are a lot of things back then that we have now been able to overcome. Um, so anyway, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, uh, let's see. One last thing here. This one comes in from, let's see. Oh, and I don't even have a name. But uh, just a quick comment about, we talked last week about fossil fuels and that 80% of the world's sulfur supply is a byproduct of cleaning up fossil fuels. What's going to happen if we don't have those fossil fuels? Yeah, I know. Um, we can we can worry about some of those things. I'm not that concerned because I think it's going to be quite a while before all the fossil fuels are gone, number one. And number two, there are plenty of other sources out there for sulfur. All right, we hope you've enjoyed our show today. Before we go, just want to say thanks to my sister Janelle. She was running the controls for me. And thanks to everybody who called in or wrote in with questions. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.